Business and Bliss podcast. We have such an interesting guest and episode for you today. I am your host, Lisa Kay, here with my amazing partner, Jen Conkey. Welcome hey back. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. You guys, I'm here to introduce to you, I'm going to say the famous, because he, he feels pretty famous to me. So the famous um, Elliot Rowe. Um, Elliot has been really a role model and a game changer for Jen, um, and I recently learned so much about him, um, and I am just super excited. We're like giddy schoolgirls over here having him on the podcast, super excited. Um, so Elliot, I'm going to turn it over to you. Please tell us a little bit more about you, and let's tell our listeners about all the amazing things that you're doing. Well, thank you so much for the introduction. You can make me blush. Um, so I am a performance coach and I specialize in hypnotherapy. So the work that I do usually is taking people who are pretty, already pretty successful and they're looking to be the top of the world of something. So be it a professional athlete, an entrepreneur, Wall Street trader, um, I help them understand the subconscious self-sabotages that are going on in the background work through those issues so they can perform more effectively at whatever it is they're doing. Um, so I'm using my tools in hypnotherapy to help people do that and reach the top in the world. And you doing that, people win UFC championships, Olympic medals, um, some of the top poker players in the world is what has seen people sort of five and 10 X their businesses as well. Yeah, so rad. That's how I found Elliot. Just so our audience knows, you know, I, I literally have been a semi-professional poker player for almost 20 years, and I would just get so triggered at the table anytime I lost money, which is inevitable, by the way, you're going to lose money here and there. And I stumbled across, um, Stacy had got me a, a coaching with um, James Blitzsuit Sweeney, and I met him in Vegas. He coached me and trained me at the table, and I just really got into understanding my mindset sucks. And so I got into Elliot's Primed Mind group and I ended up like my A-game planner. I still have them. I, I oh, have them. awesome. Yeah. And so like I don't use it for poker, but I use it now for life. And I've, I've had to cross stuff out and adapt it for my own, but it was. It was something that just really shaped and transformed my life because I became more aware of my mindset and how it impacted my results. And you're, you're the whole reason why I got into NLP, man. So I'm really excited that you're on the show. This is cool. Well, it's, it's such a cool story to hear as well. So thank you. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> right? Like, is this happening? Yeah. Um, Go ahead. Awesome. So Elliot, so, you know, a little bit in the pre-screen, we talked about this, but I would love for you to, to just share, um, you know, with our audience, one of the big things that is super important to us is that as a listener walks away from hearing our show, they take something away with them tangible or applicable that they can go apply to their life right now. And so, um, you know, obviously you've worked with tons of people and helped them to find success and help them to get over, like you said, some of these self-sabotaging behaviors. So what comes to mind is really that first thing or that tip or that piece of wisdom that you would share as we kick off today with someone who's listening, who's feeling stuck or feeling like they just can't get to that next level. What would you share with them? Um, okay. So uh, I do a lot of this work sort of under hypnosis or in that state. Um, but there are some things that you can do to start working in your subconscious, just in your normal everyday life. Um, what I would tell you to do. So if you have a piece of paper there, um, we'll get a piece of paper or pause this, um, when you're looking to go through this at home, if you're watching, um, have a think about things that you know are holding you back. So if you can think of not, maybe you can't make the sales call that you know you should be making, um, or you're struggling to break up with your partner, or you're 
can't quit eating the food that you know you should be quitting, have a think about the feeling that comes up in your body when you're trying to do that thing you have resistance to. So some people describe it as a pressure in their chest or a sickness in their stomach or a pain in their head or even an invisible force field holding them back. Um, so first off, have an idea of what's triggering that, so the thing that you want to change, and then write down that feeling that you have. Um, so let's say it's a pressure in your chest, and then spend some time, so quite quietly, give yourself probably 10, 15 minutes, really try and think through all of the times in your life you felt that same way. So start tracing that backwards. And what you'll notice is usually memories will start to come up of different parts of your life, often all the way back to childhood, where certain things gave you that same feeling of pressure in your chest or sickness in your stomach, whatever it might be, and then start writing those memories down. So memory comes up, okay, it was, I was 22, I was in university and this happened. Okay, another memory, I'm 18 years old, this was happening in that part of my life. And what you do is you start to build a picture of the things that are triggering you. And then go back to whatever you think is the very earliest memory of that and have a look at what the reality of the situation is that caused it. So oftentimes people come back to being bullied at school or a teacher telling them they were stupid or a parent questioning whether your parent loves you enough or whatever it might be. And then instead of viewing the memory from the first person perspective, which is what all of us tend to do as we look back, start viewing it from a third person perspective. So if it's the, the kids being bullied, it's not I'm eight years old and I'm terrified because these three kids are bullying me. It's there's three eight-year-olds bullying another eight-year-old. Mm. So it takes it from being a life and death feeling to being something that's unfortunate, but it's something that's relatively normal and not actually that dangerous in real life. And start reframing it that way in your mind. If it's the teacher who's telling you you're stupid, looking at it from the outside, it's, you know, a teacher in perhaps her or his 40s telling an eight-year-old they're stupid, the teacher's probably just having a very stressful day. Mm -hmm. It probably doesn't mean anything about the child, but from the child's perspective, they're seeing it as like, this is who I am. I'm now a stupid person because someone in authority is same with your parents if your parents have said something that you've latched onto start to look at what was really going on in their lives and why they might be saying that and as you start adjusting these memories start writing down this new way of viewing it and start to replay that in your mind so if you're thinking of a time you were bullied start replaying it from the outside of it just being children and you survived otherwise you wouldn't be here so you know you get through it like that's that's just the truth and as you start to work on these things, um, you'll start to notice those triggers start to change as you can replay these memories over and over again. And the work that I do in hypnotherapy is doing this in a deep state, which is typically very emotional for people. So as they go over these memories, we're releasing the emotion. But as a starting point, you can do a lot of this work just with that process I've just described. That makes sense. That's yeah, the unconscious mind is crazy. Mm -hmm. It's very crazy. So Ellie, how did you get into this? And when did you decide to make this your business and help people? Um, so I got into it originally because I had a fear of flying. Um, so I had a fear of flying. I didn't used to like doing long haul. I turned down vacations and things. Um, and someone recommended I go to a hypnotherapist. I was relatively skeptical, but I went to a hypnotherapist to help me with it. And she managed to resolve it in an hour. Um, 
by bringing up some memories from childhood that sort of explained why I would be scared. And in that same way, looking from an adult rational mind, why I didn't need to be scared of flying. Um, Do you mind to share that? I thought that was so fascinating. What what you were afraid of and then what it actually was, the memory. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, So as a child, um, as I was going through the hypnosis process, so a bit like that process I've just described to you, you know, what's the feeling you have when you're on a plane? And for me, it was, I think, having a tight chest, feeling uncomfortable. Um, what was the next memory? And I had some memories of turbulence come up, difficult flights and things. And then I had an early memory of being three or four years old at a grandfather's house and being shown a picture of a, a small jet and being told that his business partners had died in it. Um, and effectively, from that point, I was... I was under the belief that planes were incredibly dangerous because there's something that could have killed my granddad or did kill his friends or whatever it was that sort of I made the connection of. And when I could see that that's where this fear came from, it it became a lot easier for me to let go of it. Um, And it became what felt like a rational, like some discomfort. I mean, if I jump on a plane and there's crazy turbulence, I won't be thinking this is super fun, um, but completely comfortable getting on the long haul flights and traveling the world. And it had a big impact on my life. I mean, I now live in America. I genuinely don't think I would have been living in America now because of my discomfort with flying. And so it changed things a lot because of that. Um, I decided I wanted to learn hypnotherapy thinking it would be a hobby for me. And that I just help friends and family. Uh, so I went on a year's course, learned to become a hypnotherapist, and then was doing that part-time in the evenings. Um, and it started to go really well. I got really good results for people. I was working with some amateur golfers who were improving their results. And someone recommended I tried working with poker players. And then I became quite well-known in the poker industry um, for helping some of the top players um, sort of have great levels of success in poker. And then everything grew from there. I sort of picked up lots of athletes and lots of business people and entrepreneurs. So sort of word spread that there seems to be this way of overcoming self-sabotage. Um, and the business just grew over those years. It's been about nine or 10 years now. Wow. Fascinating. That's quite a journey, right? It's been fun. Yeah. Talk about taking a personal transformation and then just learning something about it and impacting others. Yeah. That's, that's what this is about. That's what it's about. And it's interesting that, you know, that, I don't know, but that maybe less than one minute conversation as a three or four year old. Yeah. Such a significant belief, right? Like firm, deeply rooted belief around flying. Um, Yeah. I mean, you've got to think evolutionarily, it makes complete sense. So if you think about why fears would be formed, it's to keep us safe. Um, So if as a young child, we're told that something is very dangerous or that something has a big emotion to it. So as a child, it probably brought up a big emotion of being scared that he could have died. So there's this really big emotion and this is dangerous, could have killed your granddad. Um, So that then connects with the child's mind as this is something dangerous. If I do a fear of spiders session with someone, I can tell you now what it's going to be as we go through the past, it will always be apparent overreacting to a spider. Like I've just over and over again. And it's because in the wild, you know, if there's a tiger and the mum screams, 
baby knows it's something to be scared of. If the mum doesn't react, the baby doesn't know it's something to be scared of. So from an evolutionary perspective, it makes a lot of sense that these small moments, high emotional moments, can create the fears that are then part of the program for the rest of life. Um, and hypnotherapy is just a way to sort of unwind those things. It's crazy. It's so true too. So Elliot, when you're, when you're doing this with clients, um, how, do they, how do they find you? What, what does that process look like when they sign up with you? Um, I, I have a website, elliotrow.com, and I just have an application form on there. Yeah. Um, so they fill out an application form, um, and we just see if I'm a good fit from that point moving forward. Basically. I like that. So you covered fear of spiders, fear of flying. Yeah. So you can, you can take out, is it phobias and fears that you can take out? What, are, um, what do you specialize in? Okay, so, so I, I really specialize only in performance. Okay. So the people who are coming to me, um, it's nearly always that they have the, one of these subconscious resistances. Like I said, it's more like the sales call they can't make or whenever they reach a certain amount of money coming into their business, they just can't seem to grow. They seem to sabotage it from that point. So fear of failure and fear of success. Um, so that's really my speciality is working with someone. I mean, typically I'll say someone who's top 100 in the world at what they're doing who's looking to be top 10 in the world at what they're doing or someone top 10 looking for the number one spot. And that's really my entire market. Um, but it doesn't really matter what it is because self-sabotage is self-sabotage. And it doesn't matter if they're a professional boxer or a Wall Street trader or an entrepreneur. Usually we're led back to exactly the same sorts of things in childhood that have created those issues, you know, that lack of confidence, whatever it might be, that although has enabled them to be successful, everyone I'm working with is already successful, but that thing that's holding them back from doing everything that the best person in the world would do. Um, and, you know, if we go through a list, so if you think about an industry, um, or if you're listening to this, the industry that you're in, think about what the person who's number one in the industry does and write down all of the things that they do, and then look at the things that you do and see what's missing on that list. Most of the time, there are some things that you know you should be doing that you're choosing not to do. And it's my job as a performance coach to help remove the invisible barriers stopping that so you can at least be doing all of the things that you know are out there to take yourself to the top. Yeah, and you just said a word that really triggered and resonated with me on, and it's choosing. It's, yeah. it's all a decision. Even, even what we learned as a child when there was a highly charged event and we said, oh, well, okay, I need to be scared of that. We decided to be scared of that. And so if mm -hmm. I made that decision, then I can make a different decision and maybe that could help shift the behavior. Um, what is your thought on, on the whole process of making a 1% change in a behavior and how that builds up or adds up over time? Um, just, just in terms of as a, as a pressure over time, I think it makes a big difference. Okay. Um, I, but in all honesty, because of from, from the hypnotherapy side, um, I, I usually like to see very significant changes in behavior. Mm -hmm. So if you're working on something yourself, that then sort of the, the constant 1% change will lead to enormous change over time. But if it is a roadblock that you're facing, it's an emotional roadblock, a bit like I had with my situation with the flying, um, my hope is as people are working with me or through these sorts of processes, it's not a 1%, it wasn't a 1% change for me after that session. I went in terrified of flying and I came out able to book a flight without having any concern about it. Um, and that's the sort of shift that, that I like to see. 
but obviously, you know, if it comes to progressing in the gym, improving your diet, reading books, those 1% increments do add up to a pressure. But I also think, again, sort of responsibility wise, everyone should sort of look at it as there is an opportunity perhaps to improve by drastically more than 1% if I think outside of the box at the other things that may be available that, yeah, you might have to put in some extra work. It might be very emotional. It might be difficult. But as you face those things, you might see shifts that, like in my case, completely change the trajectory of my life in a way that I can assure you when I went to that session, I, I didn't, I didn't, think, I, didn't yeah. think of being a hypnotist 10 years later. That, that's that's why sure. I asked the question is because a lot of this, there's a lot of talk right now about, oh, if I just do 1% more on this behavior and it could change the trajectory of my life. And, and you hear a lot about that, but I feel like there's a place and a time for that. But in my experience, when I went through my breakthrough session, it was a huge shift. And it shifted quick. I mean, I got up on stage. I was a demo to release all of these anger and all of this emotion from childhood. And I was a demo. And, you know, I went up there on the demo thinking, yeah, okay, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Right. We'll see what happens. And as I'm going through it, I literally felt it. It felt like somebody was on the other end of the room holding a rope and pulled it really hard. And like this trap door just opened and all of this heaviness and just tension flew out. And I, I literally shifted like that. And now previously I had been working for, I'm on level 44. So I had been working for 41 years trying to figure out how to get through that stuff. And it happened in five minutes on a stage. And I thought there's no way. And then he reached over one of my biggest convincers when he asked me before I came up on the stage was, so you have all of this irrational rage, you know, what, like, what does that mean? And I said, well, I mean, even if a raindrop gets on my glasses, like don't smudge my glasses, I might lose it. It's so silly, but I get, I'm so mad all the time. So after I had that release, he reached over and smudged my glasses and I laughed. And I was like, why am I laughing? I normally would have wanted to kill him, but it happened like that. And so when I hear the 1% thing, or even from the, the, it's uh, Darren, Darren Hardy's The Compound Effect. That there's a time and a place for that. But for this stuff, like that mental, emotional re release is so shifting in a moment. In a few minutes, I fixed something and was relieved of it that I had been having for at least two, two to three decades. So I, I wanted to see what your thoughts were on yeah. that. And as I say, it fits very much with what I see. Um, you know, so one way to visualize it that, that I think is useful for people is, I, I imagine like we're, we're running a program that we've built from childhood. So it's like a computer running a code. And then as you work through this stuff successfully, a bit like you're describing the, the gentleman did with you, um, you're actually rewriting the code and then you're pressing run again. And there's just a different code that you're running from before. And I think that's where these subconscious modalities are really useful. So be it hypnotherapy, parts of NLP, EMDR, um, some of the psychedelic work that people do as well. I think it hits the subconscious in a way that conscious therapy, it can be quite difficult to get to these, these places quickly. Usually it takes years. And sort of if you visualize it, that you're sort of trying to fix the computer in windows or you're going back to the core program that's running the windows. And I feel that these subconscious modalities are going back to the core program. And just once it's fixed and the code is correct, you press run and you're running the correct code from that point forward. That's a really good that makes sense. It's like a, a visualization. Yeah, of it. Totally. It's a great one. So I have a question and really for both of you guys, but 
So I'm thinking of, you know, someone who has an obvious phobia, right? Uh, one of these big phobias of fear of flying, fear of spiders, some of these things that are like pretty obvious on the surface that maybe aren't rational fears to have. Mm. Um, what about the people, you know, I'm just kind of thinking through my head, like people who are just kind of going through their day, going through life, they're listening to this and they're like, well, I don't have any of these crazy fears. Like, would this still benefit me? Um, and Elliot, I'm sure this is part of your intake process and your application. You said you have an application on your site. So I'm sure you sort of like sift through, um, clients and who you can work with and serve. So talk to me about maybe some of these like subtle underlying things that obviously are affecting the trajectory, right? Some of these like subtle underlying subconscious beliefs that in that inner voice, that inner dialogue that maybe aren't as obvious. So can you help us sort of distinguish that for some of our listeners who maybe think, oh, maybe that's not for me. Um, I disagree. I think that this really could serve everyone. I think everyone at some point formed a thought or a belief in their subconscious that is no longer serving them. Um, so I don't know what your thoughts would be on that or what your experience has been with that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's really about thinking, as I say, mind's mainly performance. So, you know, the first thing with me is when I'm working with someone, you know, where are you looking to get to? Mm -hmm. And if there's a big difference between where they want to be and where they are, um, usually there's a reason emotionally as to why there's a distance between where they want to be and where they are. So my work is around finding out, okay, is there a self-sabotage, fear of failure, fear of success, working through the, those emotional parts of reaching the top. So do they deserve to be successful? Do they deserve to make this amount of money? How will they feel? How will their family treat them if they make those amounts of money? That's a really big one is, what, what would it be like with your friends and family if suddenly become very wealthy? And that holds loads of people back. Um, so if you're listening to this and you're unsure um, about you know, how this could potentially help you, really just think about the things in your personal life or your business life where you know there's something that you want to change. There's, you know there's something you, you should be doing, but every time you try and do it, you can't bring yourself to do the, that thing. And it, it really doesn't matter what it is. It's just something where you're feeling a sense of resistance to it. Um, and anywhere you're feeling that sense of resistance, this sort of work can help overcome that, that resistance. And typically by changing a few of these things and doing the things that you weren't able to do before, everything starts to come together and you're congruent and you're in flow and people can see that you're congruent in the way that you're doing things. And when people pick up on that energy in the way that you're sort of performing in your life, that's when the bigger opportunities tend to come. That's great advice, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just didn't want someone to not consider this as a modality, an applicable modality for them just because they maybe don't have any of these like big things. But one of the things that you talk about is the fear of success. And mm -hmm. I don't think that that is a fear that occurs to people. I know I did it for me. I mean, Jen helped me work through fear of success. I mean, I think I still have loads more work to do on it probably. But um, I think that that's one that doesn't occur. And you said that that is a big um, issue or one of the more common issues. Can you talk a little bit more about maybe how that shows up or how it manifests itself for people to start looking for those clues? Yeah, completely. So um, when it comes to fear of success, again, um, look, look for the evidence that you might be sabotaging yourself. So again, that's where that list of what is the top person in my industry doing versus me. If there are a lot of gaps on that list, you can see there's already self-sabotage there because you know what you should be doing and you're choosing not to do it. So, so that's the clues that there's something going on. Mm 
and then start thinking about what do I really feel my life would be like if I was making 5x, 10x the money that I'm making today. And initially people are like, oh, it'd be great. I'd love to have more money. And then you say, okay, really, what are your relationships like? What's it like with your partner? What's it like with your friends? What changes in your life? And then they start coming up with their insecurities of, oh, well, my parents don't like rich people, so it'd be a bit awkward at Christmas time when I go and see my parents. So, and you start hearing these things being said in those different areas. Um, you also have a different issue. So fear of success or, or these sort of sabotages also really is a fear of failure. Um, so uh, sort of an easy example to give around things is um, people who struggle giving 100%. So like I said, if they're not doing everything the top person's doing, they're not giving 100%. Because what that means is if they fail, their ego is safe because they know they haven't given 100%. So therefore they can say, if I'd chosen to, I could have been the best in the world, I could have been successful, but I chose to not do those things, or I'm just not someone who does that, or whatever the excuse they want to use, and that, that lets the ego off, so it's sort of a safety point for them. And where I often see that coming from when we look at the history in the past, um, is very intelligent people at school who didn't have to work to get top grades initially, then as they get into secondary school, as they get a bit older to college, um, find that they should be studying, but they can't bring themselves to study because they want to sort of test their intelligence, but they don't want to find out how good they would be if they actually did study because getting a B when studying is worse than getting C when they're not studying, that sort of behavior. And that just repeats this. I see that over and over again, this ego defense of not giving 100% because I don't feel like a failure if I don't, because it was my choice, not, not anyone else's. Yeah. It's very interesting, right? I could talk about this all day. I told him that when we were on the pre-screen. I'm like, I could talk <laughs> this all day. It's so fascinating. Yeah, we limit ourselves just because we can. Yeah. <laughs> that way we don't have to say, oh, yeah, I messed up. Instead of saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to make a mistake and then I'm going to learn from it. We say, yeah, I, you know what? I, I, I could do that if I wanted to. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. A yeah. lot of people fear that. And it costs people so much in their business and in their personal life. It's, you know, even when it comes, you know, asking someone out, you know, mm -hmm. the fear of rejection, it, it's all of those things or, you know, telling yourself the opportunity wasn't quite right. I wasn't wearing the right things when I was met them. All of these different excuses come up and effectively anywhere you're feeling those excuses or noticing them. And I really feel everyone does feel them to some extent. Um, that's where there's a chance for optimization. Um, what's interesting is the difference that optimization makes. Um, if you are already close to the top can be dramatic. Mm -hmm. So I mean, Jen's description of professional poker it's a very small number of people who make almost all of the money in the industry so if you're very close to being in that small group but you're not quite in it the, the multiples of income that can come from solving this final piece of the puzzle can be millions and millions of dollars um, you know I've seen that multiple times over and I believe that's the same for most industries you know even something you know like the industry that we're in you know coaching industry you know, if you look at the prices that some people out there are charging, Tony Robbins or Brennan Bouchards, etc., um, extraordinary money can be made. It's being made by a handful of people. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are on the outside of it, holding themselves back from 
that very highest level. Um, and, you know, anyone in any type of industry like this really look at what would it take for you to jump into that circle and be one of the people at the very top and why aren't you taking that leap and what's holding you back? Yeah. You got to get in the Coliseum. Yeah. yeah. Elliot, you, you have an app and I know you have an app because I use it. <laughs> Primed <laughs> mind app. It, yeah. keep, it gets your mind right. Can you talk us like share with our audience members what the app is about, how they can have access to it and how it'll help them. Okay, so um, the work that I do, the hypnotherapy work, um, I was encouraged by one of my clients um, to, to make an app so that it was available to everybody. Um, the app is Suggestion Hypnotherapy, so you're listening to me, there's like a guided meditation process, and then there are specific things for you to be working on. So confidence, sleep, job interviews, exams, sort of different high-pressure moments, competing in different sports. Um, and you choose the primer, we call them, that you want to listen to that day. They're about 10, 12 minutes long. Um, you get relaxed and it just helps you to perform on that day in a way that perhaps you wouldn't have had you not primed yourself like this. Or it helps you have a better night's sleep um, or it helps you let go of the stress or the emotions that you're feeling. So I think there's 250-ish different um, audios in the app. And you just go to Prime Mind. It's on the App Store or it's on iTunes. Yeah. Um, and download it for free and then if you want to subscribe you get more of the content but i think there are around 40 mp3s that you can just try for free so anyone who's got a mobile phone pretty much download it prime mind if you like it you can subscribe and if not you've got around 40 audios to try out and <laughs> it's awesome I, I i use the prime mind app and when i was playing poker avidly every day i also used your a game planner like it helped me a lot in terms of increasing volume and I, I would use it in conjunction with the primer. And there was always the, the pregame routine that I would go through because I would listen to my primer, get my mindset right, and then go in like, a, how, who do you want to be? And how do you want to be seen when you're going to the poker table? What do you want everybody? You know what I mean? It got my mind right. And so that is what literally got me into the behavior of having a routine and getting prepped for things. And the A-game planner was awesome. Do you have... Do you have A-game planners for each area that you, that you help, or do you not use them anymore? No, no, it's actually part of the, um, part of the next step in my business. Oh, <laughs> I was cool. talking to Ryan about this this week, um, of upgrading those for just life. Um, so we were doing a lot of very poker-specific stuff, and my business is now much more business. Yeah. Business people, um, those sorts of industries and things, um, run so much poker. So we're, we're building a lot more content to help entrepreneurs, um, help people in the C-level positions, um, really maximize their time and, and sort of let go of these self-sabotages and things. So that's on the list. Um, so watch out for that. <laughs> I'll have my, cool. uh, my performance planner coming out soon. Yeah. Awesome. Elliot, I just had one last question for you. So at what point, like at what step in the process, I'm thinking of entrepreneurs listening to this, right? And at what step in the process do you think it's appropriate to insert you or someone like you or this service, right? Is it like, have your business plan, have your business coach, have your strategy, then me. Is it you start with you, then go from there? Like where, and maybe there's not like a one size fits all answer, but I'm just thinking for someone who is maybe, you know, 10 years into their business or someone who is, has maybe wanted to start a business for 10 years and, and hasn't done it, you know, at what point in the process do you think it's appropriate to interject something like this? Um, I would say it's almost always where you feel there's an emotion rather than a lack of knowledge holding you back. 
So that would be the key point. So it doesn't matter if you're, if you haven't started a business and you've been wanting to for 10 years, probably there's an emotion holding you back from, from doing what you've wanted to do for the last decade. Um, if you can't break the hundred thousand barrier, if you can't break the million barrier. Uh, if you can't break the 10 million barrier, it's people get stuck at these different levels and then these big emotions come up, they feel trapped. It's when it's these, these emotions stopping you rather than, as I say, just the, the knowledge of the business. So a business coach will help you to understand the things that you need to be doing in your business strategically. Someone like myself will help you actually implement those things um, because you won't be sabotaging yourself and stopping them from doing them. So it's really whenever you have that sort of really locked down feeling, as I say, the, the invisible force field holding you back is the one that most people can resonate with. Anytime that you're feeling that, that's when you should be working on your emotional self to get through it. If you just don't know what to do because you don't know what to do, then talk to a strategic coach or read some books or go to some seminars first. But it's those emotional blockages that, that I really focus on. Yeah. Visible force field. I feel like that's such a great description. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, Elliot, it was such a pleasure to have you on the show. How do we, so we know it's primemind.com. Is that what you said? Uh, yeah. So primemind.com or on the app store or Google play. Um, okay. for the app. And then my website is elliotrow.com. Um, and then if you want to listen to me more, I've got a couple of podcasts. Um, probably the most applicable here is called the A Game Advantage, where I interview high performers and they give tips and things on how to live. Um, or I have a poker-specific one called the Mindset Advantage podcast. But the A Game Advantage podcast would probably be the one that would have the most applicable information. That's awesome. I'm going to tune in. Are you? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Thank you out your name. So E-L-L-I-O-T-R-O-E. That's correct. Um, yeah. Elliot Rowe. So I just want to make sure phonetically we get that right. Um, Cause I know lots of people are going to want to check you out, man. That's sure. offer. Well, thank you so much for having me on and Jen, great to, great to see the plan is still in use. <laughs> oh man. I love it. I actually wanted to talk to you about like, if you have one for entrepreneurs, I want yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, we need the live in the process. So up, we will, we will be your first purchasers. Absolutely. I'll hold you to it. <laughs> Thanks, Elliot. You guys, everybody have a good day. Great Thanks show. Everybody. That was awesome. Bye-bye. <laughs>